G'day, g'day, gang. I have a special treat for you today. I have Danielle Kettlewell, who is an Olympian, author, and coach on the podcast today. She calls herself and has a book by the same name, The Unlikely Olympian. And you know what? If you are needing a dose of positivity and a cool story and how to turn you know, adversity and unlikeliness into something really, really fucking cool, then you are going to love listening to this potty with Danielle. So without further ado, I am bringing to you Danielle Kettlewell. And oh my God, that right. <laughs> Enjoy, friends. Here she is. Danielle Kettlewell, thank you so much for jumping on the potty today. Where am I speaking to you from right now? Because I know you're not in Oz. Yes, I'm so happy to be here, Katie. I'm actually in Bali at the moment, in beautiful Bali. I am so jealous because that has <laughs> been, I've never been to Bali and it's on really? my, like, no, I never have. And it's wow. on my list. It's beautiful. It's definitely worth a visit. Um, you know, uh, it's, yeah, just that there's such beautiful energy here and, um, yeah, greenery everywhere. And just, it's really nice to be around, um, you know, cause I've been living here for about six months now, um, you know, around an environment of people that have used similar mindset, um, and similar goals in life and are, um, very open-minded and conscious and, and spiritual and down to earth. And, you know, I think your environment is a reflection of who you become. And that's one of the reasons why we moved over here. There's lots of people that we look up to and idolize and we're like, okay, we're going to shift our life and me and my partner and we're going to, we're going to be near them because proximity is power. So that's kind of what led us here. Wow. I love that. So this is like a long-term thing for you. You're planning on staying there indefinitely or do you have a time limit or? Yeah, we've been here um, for about six months and planning for another six months or so. And then kind of just seeing where the world will take us beyond that. Um, it might be to East coast Australia. Cause I am, um, uh, dual citizenship. I'm originally from Canada, but um, yeah, we also love the vibe over there. But just in the meantime, it, it feels like the right place to be. So I very much follow my intuition and my heart and just felt the call over here. So took the leap. Love that. So you call yeah. yourself the unlikely Olympian. There's a book on it, so yeah. which I totally love. And you were in the Olympics. So can you share your path and story with us? Because it's pretty flipping awesome. I've been doing like yeah. some investigating and I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when I, I, I still like am taken aback sometimes when I, I have a tattoo on my ankle and I'm like, holy doodle. Like I did it. Like I went to the Olympics. So taking you back, um, you know, I call myself the unlikely Olympian and that's the title of my book because that was really never the path for my life. That wasn't the trajectory that I thought I would be going down. So I started synchronized swimming at the age of eight years old in Vancouver, Canada. Um, and my parents are Aussie. They're from Sydney. Um, and and uh, I had dual citizenship growing up, so I was very fortunate. But grew up and was born and raised in Vancouver, Canada, to the youngest of five children. And my mom chucked me in a whole bunch of different sports, and I did swimming and did, gym did gymnastics. But you know, swimming's a bit boring, just going back and forth. And I'm too too <laughs> tall and awkward for gymnastics, and kind of found this balance between the two in the sport of synchronized swimming. So. 
If you guys don't know, synchronized swimming is this beautiful combination. You know, people call it ballet in the water, and it combines like the artistry of a dancer with the strength and endurance of any elite athlete. And you put that together with eight women in the water who are swimming up and down the pool to music and holding their breath half the time with doing acrobatic moves that are phenomenal, like divers. Um, and it is, you know, in my opinion, one of the most incredible sports. And when I was growing up, you know, I really loved it, um, and I had this deep passion for it. But I just was never, never really that good like honestly I was a girl on the side like I struggled with my weight I struggled with my self-confidence I was you know the great team player the girl that had an awesome attitude and perspective but wasn't really that skilled or talented and and I stayed involved in my sport because I really truly loved it um you know it, it brought me so much happiness and joy and, and did it throughout um high school and you know I got to year 12 and there was nowhere else for me to go I you know was never good enough to try out for the Canadian national team um, and so I, at 18 years old, quote unquote, retired and I thought that I walked away from the sport, you know, forever, but little did I know kind of what the universe had in store for me. And I stayed involved and I just did a bit of synchro for fun with some of my teammates. And in 2013, when I was going to university at the time, I was working a couple jobs. I went to a, a training session with my friends and we were doing something called highlights, just practicing and, and playing around. And highlights and synchronized swimming is when we build human pyramids in the water and we all egg beat her up to the surface and one of the athletes jumps off and does a flip and lands in the water and keep in mind this is all without touching the bottom of the pool so it's absolutely incredible yeah Yeah. um and what happened this time particularly is my teammate went up and she jumped off my shoulders and she came down on my head and um you can imagine a human being falling on your head when you're in the water you know we have no protection like you know in um, gridiron football like they do in America like we don't have helmets or anything like that so I felt fine at first but um, you know driving home that night from training I started to feel really sick nauseous had a horrible headache and um, that that night I was trying to study for a midterm I had the next day at university and I, I couldn't read the words on the paper like I, I knew it was English but I had no idea what it was and you know I looked over at my mom and I, I was trying to explain to her that like what I was what was going on but I like I words weren't coming out of my mouth And I went to the doctor the next day and I was diagnosed with a concussion. And, you know, a concussion um, is a difficult injury because, you know, a lot of times we kind of just play it off as really simple in, in this day and age, you know, yeah. in, in footy and stuff. They're like, oh, he's he's all good. He just has a concussion. But, you know, I say um, related, it's quite likely to um, mental illness. You know, you look fine. You don't have any cuts or bruises. Um, you know, you look like a regular human being, but it's all up in your head. And the only thing that I was told to do was to lie in a dark room um, until I felt better. Um, and, you know, a side effect of concussion as you can imagine if you're laying in a dark room and not doing anything is depression and I fell into this kind of darkness in my life where I was just very much in this in this point of adversity I was like why is this happening to me right why you know that self-pity victim mindset um and you know the the little did I know that the the world kind of had um, you know something in store for me, and it, this this was a point to recalibrate where I was in my life. I was doing something that you know I was kind of going down the regular path of university and following you know the borrowed dreams of what I thought other people or what I thought was the good life, quote unquote. And this concussion made me you know rethink about what I really wanted. And I had my twenty first birthday, you know, concussed. And the day after my twenty first birthday, I was skyping with a friend of mine. 
Um, and she, at the time when we were Skyping, she also has dual Australian Canadian citizenship. She um, uh-huh. was uh, synchronized somewhere as well. And at that time, she was reached out by the assistant national team coach of the Australian synchronized swimming team. And they asked her if she would want to come to Australia and try out for the team because they were trying to qualify the, for the Australian team to get to the Olympic Games. And I, at first, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, this is so cool for you, right? Yeah. And after talking about it for a little while, she kind of turned to me and she's like, Danielle, you could actually do this too. You know, but I was someone that struggled with self-confidence. I had all of these things weighing against me, right? I was concussed. I was in Canada. I was never really that good. You know, I struggled with my weight. I was like, there's no way, like absolutely no way. And I kind of, I was at this fork in the road in my life. And I, you know, I I realized that I can take this path that is terrifying, you know, that I'm afraid that people are going to judge me. That is really, really unlikely that there's maybe a 0.5% chance that I can get there or I can walk away and always wonder what if. And I projected myself forward in my life and I, you know, was thinking, you know, if I'm 80 years old and looking back on my life, would I rather have tried and failed or would I rather have always wondered what if? And I decided to cultivate this courage inside of me and go for something that was truly felt impossible, but I held on to the glimmer of hope that maybe it was something that could be my reality. Within six months, I, uh, you know, kicked my concussion recovery into high gear. I packed up my bags. I dropped out of university. I moved to Perth, Australia, um, and, and I made it on the team. And, you know, in 2012, I was sitting at home in Vancouver, Canada, university student, wondering what the heck she was going to do with her life, watching the 2012 Olympics. And in 2016, I was walking out there on stage as part of the Australian National Synchronized Swimming Team you know, competing at the Rio Olympic Games. And that led me to being on the team for five years, three world championships. I competed last year um, as Australia's first mixed duet, male and female synchronized swimmer. And that led me to writing my book and ultimately sharing this message of having the power of um, belief and the power of, you know, truly, um, you know, counting yourself in, truly making, you know, harnessing your life and bringing it into your hands because the possibility of our lives, I really believe, is, is as great as our belief and our action. And, you know, I am proof of that. And now I want to share that with others. That is, that is huge. That's Thank huge. You. What a turnaround. So obviously, what was the process like? Like you would have had to, well, you've totally changed your life. Like what was the training like? What was... Did you, how did your life balance go with that? Like, talk us through that because Mm. did you experience like moments of doubt within all that training about ever getting there or was it just like, I know I've asked like 17 questions (laughs) in a row, but you can get where I'm going with this in terms of your training and your whole lifestyle change. Yeah. So it's, it was, um, you know, I, I summarize it the way that I did, but I mean, it is a long story. So that's why I wrote a book about it because I, and I want people to know, like, that's the kind of the, um, highlight reel version, but it wasn't just that, you know, I think especially in this, um, you know, social media world, sometimes we can just see the highlight reel and it's, it's important. I always think to share the, the difficult times as well. And, you know, it was hard. I, I took out a student loan, um, you know, to be able to afford this because Australian synchronized swimmers have to pay to participate on the team. So financially it was stressful. Um, you know, 
Um, emotionally, I moved across the world, you know, from my family and friends and everybody that I knew. So I had to deal with that. Not only the fact that was I starting to train to be on this team, but I, you know, was away from everything that I knew. And I, you know, I, I felt homesick at times, but what really helped me. And, you know, I kind of mentioned it as well as for the living in Bali is I trajected myself into an environment that supported my growth. So I moved myself to Perth to train with, um, where the best team was or the best coach was at the time with my other teammates um, and tucked myself in an environment where I knew that I had the best possibility to thrive. So even though I was someone that always struggled with my self-belief and my weight and, you know, always being the best, I gave myself the best opportunity by being in this positive environment. And I also decided to work really, really hard on my mindset because I realized that my skills could only take me so far. But, you know, what can I set, do to set myself apart? What can I do to set myself, um, you know, have my ability to shine and what was always my strength as an athlete even though my skills weren't that great was the fact that I had a great attitude so I was like okay if I have even this one thing how can I use it in my favor to make this become a reality for me so I worked really hard with the sports psychologist I did I was journaling constantly I was always reflecting on what I was doing good what I did badly you know um, how I can always be improving and I had this really really um, intense growth mindset because I thought if I'm going to go and uproot my entire life and go 150% in, I'm going to make sure that I give it my all and not hold back. And that, you know, ability to have that growth mindset truly allowed me to start to thrive. And there were so many moments when it was really hard. And, you know, I want people to know that it wasn't just a linear path. I think anyway, you know, when we're going after a goal, it is never linear, right? There's always going to be setbacks totally. or loops or times that we, you know, sometimes you want to give up. And I remember, you know, I came home one day to my partner at the time and I was, you know, a year and a half away from the Olympic games and I was exhausted. You know, we were training um, six hours a day in the pool, two to three hours on land when we were at training camps. And, you know, when I was home in Perth, I had to work as well. On top of that, I had, was working in a bar sometimes till one in the morning. And I came home and I just started bawling because I, you know, said to my partner at the time, I was like, I'm so tired. You know, I, I don't yeah. know how to go on. Like, I'm physically exhausted. I miss my family. I don't even know if I'm going to make this a possibility. And I, you know, and we all have have moments like that and I think in those moments of that really intense adversity it's really important for us to come back to the present moment because we can be so focused on the future that we realize that you know maybe we have that goal at the end of the tunnel but all we need to focus on right now is taking that next step taking you know getting up and waking up tomorrow and figuring out what we can do next you know figuring out what we can do over this next week and keep focusing on those small steps and whenever we need hope we look up at the goal or the light at the end of the tunnel but focus on on those small steps. And, you know, I always am really, um, I always want to share this story as well that, you know, I got to the point in 2016 where, you know, I was on the national team, but I had to personally qualify myself for the Olympic team. And we had international judges fly in from around the world. And, you know, I was really at this point where I was faced with this possibility of, oh my gosh, even though I say I would rather try, um, then always wonder what if I, I'm actually faced with this possibility of failure the Olympic team, I don't get to the, you know, Rio Olympics. And I realized that 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 point that it was, you know, 
never about the Olympic Games. Like that was a beautiful goal at the end of the day, but it was never truly about that. It was about proving to myself that I was good enough. It was about the experiences along the way. It was about the people that I met, the person that I became because I was trying to prove to that you know younger girl inside of me that I was worthy, that I was capable, that I could make my dreams come true. And living the dream was in the process of going after it. And the Olympics was just the cherry on top because I think so many of us in this life it's so important for us to go after goals but we need to remember that life is about living it and experiencing it and loving and being in the presence of every day and not just about the accolade at the end of the day we don't want to live a life where we create a resume to take with us to a to the grave we want to live a life that makes us happy and truly joyous and grateful and every day in every single moment because at the end of the day like I got to the Olympic Games and I saw two routines a three and a four minute routine I my whole career came came down to seven minutes of my entire life. And when I was standing up there on stage afterwards, you know, I realized that again, this epiphany that had hit me was never about the Olympics. It was about the experience of being brave, about believing in myself and about going after what I thought was possible for me. And it's, I'm so glad that you mentioned that how much work you've actually had to put in and over what span of time, like it was four or five years, right? Yeah, exactly. And people forget that. They sort of, you know, it's like to get to the Olympics, yeah, okay, that's massive. But then there's five years of showing up every single day, putting in the work when you believe that you didn't actually have, say, the natural born talent, but you certainly had the drive, right? And that's the difference. You had the drive, you had the determination, you had the dedication. So it just goes to show that while there's very few people, to be to be fair, in any sport that or anything in life that have the natural ability to succeed, it comes with so much more. Like you've got to have that determination, that discipline or anything, whether you're talking about multimillionaires or billionaires, they're yeah. often not the most talented people in the room but they mm-hmm. are sure as hell the most dedicated, the people who succeed and keep mm-hmm. showing up to, you know, yeah. go towards it, to keep striving. So I love that. I'm glad that you framed it with that much time because mm-hmm. people forget that. It's like, oh, yeah, you went to the Olympics. But yeah. or every single day, every single step that you had to do before that, that got you there was also so important. So exactly, we were talking about putting off the podcast for a couple of mm. weeks, but I love your perspective on carrying on and considering everything that's going on in the world at the moment with the coronavirus and lockdowns and shutdowns um, mm. and like international and global grounding. Talk us through why you were so passionate about us still being able to carry on and put this podcast out there at the moment. Mm, Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I think something that I talk about in my book is that I have a whole chapter on adversity, um, the, you know, the difficulties that come up in life um, and how to work through them. And I think sometimes, you know, and I can do this too, we kind of glorify life as you know, when we're projecting ourselves forward and we think of all the beautiful things that happen, but we don't provide any foresight for, you know, things that might go wrong when the, when the shit hits the fan really. Um, but that's, you know, part of the process. Like there's always going to be adversity. There's always going to be difficult times. And I think especially at this time, you know, with the whole world going through this adversity together, 
the most important thing for us is to stay as much as we can in the light, to stay in the the power and look at what the beauty that is happening on the other side of the chaos that is also, you know, spreading around the world, the fear that is spreading, because there's really only two states that we can be in. We can be in a state of fear or we can be in a state of love. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, there's a lot of people in a state of fear right now. And that fear at the end of the day, isn't going to help us solve or get through this adversity. And that's why it's so important. You know, one of uh, a few of the things that I share, you know, with the, the people and the women that I speak to and my clients is the ways to get through adversity is first, like feel it, allow yourself to feel we don't want to be like positivity bypassing it like yes it is hard there's people in this world that are suffering right now there's people on quarantine there's people that are struggling and we need to allow ourselves to process that emotion because you know emotion is energy in motion and we need to let it move through our body to work through it and then beyond that we need to have an attitude for gratitude, find the brilliance and resilience and achieve what we believe. And, you know, I say that in the sense is like looking on the positive side. And as much as I've have had moments in the, in the past, you know, week and with this whole coronavirus where, you know, this fear has overwhelmed me and I keep going back to grounding myself in the light, in the positiveness, because yes, we need to be realistic and, you know, be washing our hands and be careful and it'd be social distancing if you need to be doing that. But beyond that realism, there's no point in us sitting in our homes and being scared. What the world needs right now is for us to be positive, is for us to be focusing on the beauty that's happening. And I'm really, you know, doing my best to share and see the beauty in humanity and like the things that I've been seeing is like you know the co2 emissions for this year are going down because you know people in China haven't been um you yeah. know traveling as much the pollution is going down like how beautiful is that like I've been seeing videos of, of people in Italy singing from their I balconies there's been people yeah people in Spain who are who are doing bingo from their balconies and cheering on like all of the people that are working in the medical industry there's people yeah. in the US that are like sending people money that need help like I think you know when we have massive situations like this in the world there is the scarcity and there is the fear but on the other side of that the beauty of humanity always shines through and I really really want to share with people to as much as you can to see that in this time of crisis and that's you get what you look for Exactly. Massively. If you are looking for the helpers, if you are looking for the silver lining, if you are looking for the ways in which you can turn this into a time of reflection rather than panic and respond mm. rather than react, mm-hmm. um, I think there's so much more possibility. And I mean, it's there, it, there's no doubt that there's some heavy things happening. So it's not about mm-hmm. like just denying it all. It's just about yeah. choosing what you wish to consume, you know, mm-hmm. like in terms of all the media coverage and all of, you know, the, the sites that you do follow because there are some really beautiful um, sites like the, is it the Good News Daily or something I think on Instagram that are yeah. putting fun things out there and balancing that like yeah. because it is a serious topic but there's also some hilarious memes getting around oh my like, gosh. You know, I am I love a meme I really oh. do but you know if we can band together and see yeah. it for what it is it doesn't have to be you know, um, the end of the world as we yeah. know it. It can sort of yeah. just be, it is going to pass. We will get good news soon. 
Um, but we've just mm. got to be sensible about it and take yeah. care of ourselves, take care of each other and um, definitely examine what we're looking for and gathering evidence to support. And I yeah. also heard, a, um, I think Elizabeth Gilbert was talking about it. Look at the language that we're using around everything. Like if we, when someone's like, how are you doing? Look at how you're going to communicate that. Like, it's not mm. like, oh, I need to go and get this and I need to go and do that. You might, you know, like we've got to own our space and our language and how we're going to frame everything when we're interacting mm. with other people, especially our little people as yeah. well, because they're going to be feeding off us. So, yeah. And I think as well, like this is the time where, you know, and I was of this, you know, being an uh, elite athlete being someone that always wanted to overachieve I was like busy being busy you know in the past and I really you know I loved I thrived off of like always go 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 and I think the world has definitely got in into that mindset and one of the other reasons that I moved to Bali is because I know for my nervous system and my health and well-being I needed to slow down and I needed to be okay with slowing down because at first it was intimidating and you know this world has been so busy being busy that we're kind of being forced to slow down to ground ourselves to come back to our family to come back to our conversations, to come back to what is actually important. And I think that's also like another beautiful thing from this situation. Like people are spending more time with their families. People are catching up on the things that they needed to. People are actually allowing themselves to take a breath and rest and rejuvenate their nervous system and remind themselves of what is really, really important in this time. And I'm seeing that as such a beautiful message that is kind of shining through amongst all of the things that are going on as well. Totally, totally agree. And it's bringing up a lot of stuff. I know from so many of my friends who are, who have worn busy as a badge of honor for such exactly. a long time, which, you know, it doesn't serve you in any way. If someone is busy, it just means like poor time management. It's not um, mm. like we can have full schedules and we can have full and exciting lives, but we don't need to be busy. You know what I mean? Like we are, it is okay to have space within our days. We don't need to feel guilty for it. We don't mm. need to um, fill the silence or the space within anything. And this is a beautiful forced um, time to be able to practice that. But I totally get that that would bring up a lot of stuff for a lot of people in terms mm. of they're going to a lot of the coping and distraction mechanisms that have, we've put in place. Like if you've always been someone who's gone to the gym, even in the, the positive things um, to navigate different areas of your life, or you've worked over certain things to avoid facing other areas of your life or thoughts or anything, it can be really nerve wracking to then have Okay, so you're just going to, we're going to have to like be. So I get that that can mm -hmm. bring up a lot of fear. And I do a lot of work around fear with people. So what's your relationship with fear currently, Danielle? Like, do you have a healthy relationship with fear at all? Or mm. how do you see it? Yeah, I think for you know, uh, a while. And especially in the sense of my, the, that Olympic, you know, opportunity, I was really faced with this fork in the road of, of fear. And I think, you know, what I've realized over, you know, the past few years is that there's fear is actually comes in different states and there's fear in the present moment, which is actually the fear for your personal safety. And that is when fear is, you know, valid. This is, you know, from the caveman time. So we had to run away from the mammoth, you know, fear keeps us safe and that's fair. But what happens 
happens a lot of the time now in society is fear is a projection of a possible future, which might not actually even come into our reality, which so many people allow to cripple them about what is the possibility of something that could possibly happen in the future. And we become afraid of that. And what, you know, I work on doing with my clients and in my life is when I see that that fear is, you know, a a projected future possibility and isn't in the present moment, I ask myself, would I rather have the fear of not doing it and always wondering what if or the fear of going after something that is scary? And I think what really happens is, you know, if we project ourselves forward, like I said, to the end of our lives, what would we look back and wish that we had done, you know, in these situations? You know, so if, you know, um, people have fear especially during this time, um, really ask yourself, is it fear in the present moment? If I'm sitting at home, if I'm safe and healthy, if, if I have food and I have friends and I have my health and a home over my head, you know, that's not present moment fear. That That's fear that could be projected on you from other people. But if the fear that you're feeling is for the future, really come back to the present moment and ask yourself, you know, is this valid? You know, is, is this something that's going to serve, you know, the highest version of myself? And really good ways to work through that is, just to come back to your breath, you know, take some deep breaths. So many of us as human beings breathe really shallowly, especially, you know, I was a synchronized swimmer. I held my breath for most of the time. I've had to learn to deeply breathe, you know, go stand on the earth, um, connect yourself with nature, go down to the beach. If you can breathe in fresh air, like come back to stillness in moments of when we are, when you can be in that sense of fear and ask yourself, is this fear valid in this present moment? And I think that will really help people as well. I totally agree and I love that. And I'm so glad that you mentioned coming back to your breath and just mm-hmm. where you are right now. Look around yeah. you. Are you okay? Are you actually in any imminent danger? And I am very certain that anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you're listening to it, you're probably not in any direct <laughs> exactly. danger right now. We could exactly. be going for a nice walk somewhere. We could be cruising along in your car whatever, but just feel that sense of having a look around you right now and where you are, pay attention, drink it in and take some Mm -hmm. deep belly breaths. And then that is available to you at any time you feel yourself start to slip down a rabbit hole or, you know, you slip out of alignment and into that fear and you're starting to pick up on whatever it is or old patterns or your default setting to worry. And, you know, because we often have that default setting that, Or we felt like that if we're worrying, we're doing something productive, but we're actually Mm. not. You're not doing anything other than robbing your mind of where you are now. And yeah, so I like the fact that you also mentioned nature because that's the thing Mm. with this um, social distancing, which depending on when this comes out, a lot of people will still be in that phase. You can still go out in nature if you do it um like sensibly like obviously Mm -hmm. depending on where you are in the world there's still plenty of beaches that are not you know jam-packed full of people and you can go on Mm -hmm. bushwalks and those sorts of things and connect go out in your backyard wherever it Mm -hmm. is you can still be outside just do it sensibly and consciously and you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to mean based on when we're recording this, obviously, who knows what's going to be like by the time this all comes out. But for most of us, it will simply mean just be sensible and um, look for ways to live and give yourself what you need within your designated area and that sort of thing. But nature's always good. A bit of vitamin D, some fresh air. And 
and like get, allow yourself to do all the things that you might have been putting off. You know, um, people are having more time on their hands now. So maybe it is like, you know, go and have a beautiful long conversation with a friend that you haven't talked to in a while or, you know, write a letter to somebody or organize your closet or, you know, take some time to journal about something that's happened recently. Like we are being gifted this space, you know, in our lives kind of at this moment to do those things that we've been putting off and those things as well. You know, I was saying this um, to someone this morning, like I think at first, you know, people might lean on, you know, the technology and we'll do some, you know, some people are joking about, I've heard like about the quarantini. It's like the martini by oh, itself, which yes. is so funny. Totally. Um, so we might lean on like binge watching Netflix and, and, and drinking and all those, nothing, none of that is bad, obviously um, in small parts, but you know, at, at a point I think human beings as well are going to then come back to, okay, what actually feels good for my soul, you know? And then when we go, go ask ourselves what feels good for my soul for the deepest parts of me, it's going to be doing those things. Like maybe start to learn how to meditate be, and you want to do that, but you've been putting it off, but now you have the space or start to journal about what happened in the past few months or reach out to a friend, like I said, or just come back and sit down and make a beautiful meal for you and your partner. Like allow yourself to have the space to do those things that you've been putting off that are going to feed your truest deepest happiness and fulfillment oh i love that so how can women find you or work with you danielle where are you at where are you hiding on the gram and that <laughs> sort of thing where can we find you yeah, you can find me on Instagram um, at Danielle Kedwell underscore. You can find my book on Amazon and um, The Unlikely Olympian and on Kindle. And as well, um, I am having I have a program that's coming out, a group coaching program. So it's helping women find clarity on what their dreams and their goals are, and actually creating a plan how to bring that into fruition. Um, within 10 weeks and it's called the clarity code and I'm empowering through in this time and I think you know what's also beautiful in this time and space you know we can also work on ourselves have this uh, ability we have this space of personal development and the beauty is that we're living in 2020 not in 1950 so we have the internet available to keep us connected so you know as much as you know there's so much uncertainty in the world I'm really excited about ha having this you know program to have available for women to be able to work on themselves when maybe they wouldn't have given themselves the time or space to do that um, beforehand. So you can find out information for the Clarity Code, my program, um, as well on my Instagram or on my website as well, which is daniellecutterwell.com. I love that. And I totally agree. We are so fortunate and mm. we have been given the greatest opportunity to do the things that we wouldn't normally have allowed ourselves space and time to do so if mm. we focus on that what would you want to do that you've always wanted to what could you do that you've always wanted to do and put off and mm. what do I really want to be doing right now and honor that this could be a really transformative mm. time because we will be getting some good news soon we just have to 100%. take care of ourselves and each other in the process I totally agree with you Thank you so much for coming on, Danielle. Thank you, and I have Katie. no doubt you are going to get some amazing women within your course and reading your book and downloading your book. Um, yeah, after this, thank you so much for your time. You're absolutely amazing. Thank you, so Katie. inspiring. Yeah, so, and thank you so much for what you do. I always love to take this time to, you know, be a mirror and reflect back onto the beautiful positivity that you spread in the world because it is so, so freaking needed, especially at this time. So thank you for how you show up, how you spread your light, how you spread your love. Aw, thank you. <laughs> no problem.